0: Anne Lamott once wrote, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, and does not leave us where it found us. Welcome to Illuminate Faith. My name is Dave Exley. And I'm Doug Peck. In today's episode, we explore the uh, parable of the prodigal son and the loving father. Uh, we'll hear from poet Jennifer Wen a little bit uh, later here as we explore that, that notion of radical love and hospitality uh, as we consider uh, the story in the greater context of, uh, of our faith tradition here. As we do that, uh, let us hear this
1: uh, gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him, The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided the estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There, he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? But I am starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was Still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has arrived, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes and you slaughtered the fattened calf for him then his father father said son you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive he was lost and is found.
0: It was the great theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar who, who once shared these words about the the parable of the prodigal. Uh, he said, "Once a person learns to to read the signs of love and thus to believe it, love leads him into the open field, wherein he himself can love." if the prodigal son had not believed that the father's love was already waiting for him he would not have been able to make the journey home this story is a story about uh, about radical love radical welcome and it demonstrates i think for us uh, what it means to uh, to contribute to wholeness within people within this world of ours Later in this week, as we uh, are heading toward uh, the 31st of, of March, as we record this uh, here, uh, on the 31st of March is the Transgender Day of Visibility, a day where we celebrate um, and acknowledge uh, that there are those uh, who uh, identify um, as trans, and, and we ponder how we, for those of us who do not identify as trans, how we can support and extend radical love to them recognizing that that there is within all of us an identity for which we are working toward and 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 looking to live within as we think about that i had a chance to sit down with uh, with a trans-identified writer and, and published poet from london ontario jennifer Wen, uh whose faith and her gift for writing uh, has been a wonderful match as as she shares uh, her reflections on, on writing, as she shares her reflections on, on radical love, radical welcome. Listen to this, this conversation and, and hear these words as, uh, as Jennifer uh, teaches us a little bit about radical love, radical welcome. Jennifer, in your Song of Milestones uh, poem, there is a section in there uh, called I Have a Voice, and I want you to talk about uh, what was the inspiration for that section of uh, Milestones.
2: Yeah, I. At the time, I was uh, part way through my um, gender journey. Um, I was partway through the physical transition. I had already um, transitioned my pre- presentation to full time female in terms of dress, in terms of name, in terms of all my identification. I was so I was living as a woman by then, and was partway, as I say, through the physical, and. The because I was living as a woman, that meant having to transition socially um, with my family, friends, work, and every other place, including Riverside United. And Reverend Phil Philip Newman, the minister at the time, um, he had been a huge support through this journey, and I had a number of conversations as I was going through this process. And uh, he invited me to speak. And it was, um, as I recall, the Sunday after Easter. It was April 12th, 2015, at any rate. And he invited me to tell my story. And I had I'd never thought of doing that. Um, it had never occurred to me. And he wanted me to speak my truth. And it was a very powerful invitation and it set off a whole lot of reflection and thinking and writing and, and uh, yeah, th- that's that's the background, that's how it came about.
0: I wonder if you might share, uh, read that for us because it, uh, it speaks of, of certainly um, as you talk about the invitation uh, and, and how, what it means to, to be empowered to speak. Uh, it's a profound message that you share within this. That I think uh, communities of faith, as they consider um, listening for for that voice, of the divine, listening for um, that voice of, of love, um, you know, to to know that uh, that the invitation came to you, uh, and uh, and how that led to a very profound and transformative experience, not just for you, but as somebody who was there that day transformative for me and I know many others that have spoken about that. So I wonder if you might share that with us.
2: Okay, thank you. As you mentioned, the section is called I Have a Voice. And this particular section, it's a longer work, a song of milestones, and there's eleven sections and this section, I have a voice was this section is dedicated to Reverend Phil. Flashing back, I still see the images unspooling before me, fusing into a stream reimagining and revitalizing one whose truth was trapped within, unable to be spoken, a king reluctantly surrendering to his destiny. I wept as I watched poor, stuttering Bertie, his struggle, his cry to Lionel in the empty cathedral that he had a voice, his ultimate triumphant speech resonating in my depths, where my music lay chained and submerged, rekindling the longing to bring it forth, but not the hope. Fettered faith watched as markers pass until came the key, the request from Reverend Phil, my own Lionel, Speak your truth. Both services. April 12, 2015. Surprised but interested, uncomprehendingly agreeing, delving within, reliving the journey and all its pain and joy, unblocking the flow from the depths, scribbled notes on Sunday's order of service, Scattered pieces coalescing while walking Marcus, while driving, while trying to sleep, awash in relief and wonder at the computer, transmuting raw, newly-mined emotion and memory into shaped and molded language. Come the hallowed day, quotidian concerns and fears depart. All the decades of agonized frustration peel away, inner rhapsody finally surging forth, completely immersed and alive in each extraordinary moment and at last hearing whispered in my heart, you have a voice. You carry on and go forward because deep inside you know that, as hard as it is, this is your path. This is your chance at feeling whole. The other road, continuing to try and deny who you are, is one you instinctively realize leads, quite literally, nowhere. I had never before felt any sense of calling but as my identity became clear to me I came to know that even though I didn't understand why making the transition to the opposite gender was my mission. For whatever reason this transformation is the thing I was meant to do.
0: Thank you. Um, Many beautiful images in in, in there and and just thinking about the the story Uh, I'm mindful of you know this world of ours where there are voices of of love competing voices of of love uh, and, and hate if you want to go to that extreme uh, uh voices that uh that echo that sense of, of grace and acceptance and, and other voices that that want to lean into things like shame and 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 all of that i i, I i'm i'm moved by your ability to to reflect upon this and and speak about uh um, what it what it took for you to to get up in front of, of folks that day and to and to share, but within that, I sensed that there was uh, that that voice of love that uh, that enabled you to be able to to do that. You, no doubt, I, I'm, I'm sure, um, are, are you know aware and have those experiences that many others have it, their own experiences of, of hearing that voice of love and the competing voices within this world of ours. So I wonder if you might reflect on, on that uh, in the context of, uh, of that which you write here.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, the whole journey, that it, it's a monumental journey, um, this one and the whole piece attempts to speak to it. This particular section, um, this particular experience, really was a major turning point. Uh, it truly was. And voice, yeah. The, Voices kind of run through this section, Um, and one of them was Reverend Phil's issuing the invitation. That was crucial. That was critical. Um, A lot of things turned on. It was an inflection point, if you want to think mathematically for a minute. And that voice of love, of acceptance, um, it made a huge difference. It... I had heard many voices internally, largely of shame. That was a huge one, and that's spoken of elsewhere in a song of milestones and um, those things that sort of battered at me for a long time until I got to the point where I had to do something or, you know, break down completely. Um, and this voice, his voice, made such a difference in inviting me to. Um, share my truth to um, be accepted to stand up there in front of the church where I'd uh, come for quite a few years and to be accepted in that environment and yeah it really was something I, I don't know that I truly appreciated what I was getting into <laughs> or, or or what it would really mean I I sort of knew and I sort of didn't I was just I was really intrigued by the idea of putting together um, the speech. And as it references in there, that in itself was really quite a process, very emotional process writing it, very emotional writing, writing that first speech. And at the end of the, uh, I have a voice section, by the way, that is a quote from that, from that very first speech is, is what it finishes with. And so, I, but then Doing it was a remarkable experience that I try to describe in there, and um, the true meaning of it I don't think really I know it didn't really sink in until after, until some time after. It still resonates around, you know, just exactly what that meant. Um, yeah, it was it was very powerful, and. The, the acceptance, the love, the opportunity to reveal the way I did and be accepted was um, quite remarkable.
0: I can't help but think that, um, that as I... Consider you know the journey that everyone takes. That that you know as we hear those competing voices within this world of ours, that the true voices of love are the ones that that give us a voice, the ones that uh, that allow us to be fully ourselves. Um, and you know, it, and unless it's doing that, you know, that it's really not uh, a voice of of love unless it is a, a, enabling us to be more deeply ourselves um, would you agree with that, that that it's not the true voice of love unless unless it's enabling giving a, us a voice raising us up in a way and allowing us to to um, to grow more deeply into into who we are and embracing exactly who we are
2: uh, yeah I would the being who you are and having a voice are absolutely rolled up in together, until I started to become who I really was, as it says in the in that section there, my music I term it lay chained and submerged, and there was no way for it to be released until I started down this path. Um, even then, it yeah, it did take that that invitation. That loving invitation. Otherwise, would I have said much of anything? I don't know. I had no thought of doing it. Um, no precedent, really, not for speaking like this. Um, I'd never done anything like that before. So yeah, it it, it took us. It took a certain amount of love and acceptance. It took. It took self acceptance and self love to even start down the path in the first place. Um, fueled by a certain sense of desperation, <laughs> a certain sense of you know what the other option is. What is it? Well, it's very, very dark and leads, as I said in the speech, quite literally nowhere. Um, so once you have enough self-love to try and start, then the love and the acceptance from some other party or parties, and they they bring you on. And it helps. Yeah, it helps bring out your voice. That's right.
0: As a writer, I, I have to ask you, um, you know, is there advice that you, you know, obviously there are people out there that uh, that struggle with their own voice and uh, and how they might uh, um, lean into uh, a place of courage and a place where they're able to really claim their voice and... and um, you know, right in the way, you know, for those people out there that uh, that are wanting to uh, to explore that and, and are struggling to find that that voice. You've gone through a significant experience of really uh, later in life discovering this gift for poetry, this amazing gift for, for poetry. And uh, so I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask uh, what advice you would give uh, for those people out there that uh, that are you know, pondering that, whether it be that they're they're in a place of, of, of being stuck and, and not sure where to go, um, yeah. What advice would you uh, give to uh, to writers?
2: Thank you. Yeah, that, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, from a technical point of view, if you're going to write, you have to read a lot, a lot of things. That that's the first thing, and every writer will tell you that, and they're all correct. Um, you have to. You have you you have to be yourself. You have to be authentic, and what I mean by that is you can't imitate. Um, I there are certain poets that I love. I love Walt Whitman. There are certain pieces of Emily Dickinson that I love very much. Uh, Elizabeth Bishop is very interesting. I'm just discovering Mary Oliver. Uh, Pencamp has been very influential, and there's a, any number of others. But you can't imitate. You you still you have to be yourself. Um, and when you start to have your own voice, I, one of the pieces of advice that came out of a session last fall at Wordsfest, um, there was a session with two very well-known poets, Susan Musgrave and Camp, they each read. And then there was a fascinating facilitated conversation and one of the things they each said in their own way was trust your own voice and that's very true you can't be somebody else you can only be yourself so you have to follow the journey enough to get a sense of who you are and get a sense of your own your own spirit and then trust it and the second thing they spoke about that resonated a lot with me was they they talked about poetry in particular, um, as being more of a channeling than a creative experience. Almost, and I would agree with that. I I find that it it works best for me when you have the space, right, physical but mental, emotional, spiritual space, where you are, you can just sort of let go connect with yourself with everything else with the divine and then when you are connected then you will be able to write uh, to a certain extent it's a little hard for me to, to give some kinds of advice because I'm I'm a counter example I suppose to way a lot of people do it I, I, I don't have any qualifications whatsoever um, I took a couple of English-related courses that have nothing to do with writing or poetry way, way, way back. Um, so many others seem to have you know, completely different backgrounds than me. Um, but those things made a difference. When you really get in tune with who you are and what's around you and reading, read, 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 read then things can flow.
0: Thank you for for sharing and, and thank you for um, reminding us all that we have a voice and to be able to uh to to hang on to that hope uh to to search for that light uh, within to celebrate you know those people that uh, that represent the light uh, that moves in the midst of the darkness through this this world of ours it is an important uh, uh, thing and um and for you to to share that voice to provide help and and hope for for so many and inspiration for so many yeah, thank you so much jennifer
2: thank you you're very welcome
0: so thankful for um for jennifer's uh words there and uh, and and her voice yeah you know, she does indeed have a voice and as somebody who's read a, a good amount of her poetry i am so moved by it uh, challenged by it and um Uh, Yeah, in particular, when you think about um, in the context of this story, which I think it's important to first say that that the story of the prodigal is not Jennifer's story. Jennifer's story is her own story. And uh, and so, you know, I think the themes, though, that I hear within this gospel text. And, and how they resonate within this world and what it means to walk in the way of of Christ and to consider that that message and you know of the, that emerges from the parable and no doubt the whole gospel story is is that message of of radical love that voice of love that um, that allows us to fully be ourselves and um, and and I think that uh, in particular when you think about that exercise of of Jennifer's the invitation that was extended to to her by Reverend Phil to to speak her truth, to stand up in front of a congregation filled with uh, with uh, people um, who follow in the way of uh, of Jesus, um, who are faithful and searching and have their own stories to be able to share that that story, share her uh, truth, to claim that she has a, a voice. Um, you know, is such a powerful powerful thing that I think really speaks to that, that v- those voices of love within this world of ours. Uh, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for, for that. Um, I know I, I can't speak for Jennifer, so I'm glad that we had a chance to, to hear her words speaking about, uh, about what it means to have a voice, what it means to express, um, you know, to experience love within this world of ours where there is much darkness. And, uh, and it's that love, I think, that leads to places where it makes it possible for those voices to be heard, where we get a sense of of someone, um, you know, living into the fullness of of who they are, right? Um, powerful, powerful stuff. There, she does reference it within that, uh, and I didn't mention this in the conversation with Jennifer, but important to, to point out that uh, the uh, the Lionel piece uh, within that uh, is actually the the I have a voice. Poem, jennifer would tell you uh there's references to the the movie the king's speech and you think about that uh, that story of um discovering your voice struggling through um you know what it means to claim your your voice if you've not seen that uh, that film a really helpful one a helpful narrative of thinking about uh, um learning uh, to uh, to lean on your own voice and discovering your own voice within that which you see that
1: uh, jennifer certainly has has done she she's not with us in this studio right now and and Jennifer if you're listening I, a strong thank you for that um, just left us with with so many powerful thoughts to reflect on um, I'm thinking of uh, how she how she put I could not do anything I could not speak I could not go on this gender journey. Um, but to not do anything would, would lead nowhere, would lead to nothing. Um, and that's making the, the younger son's story, uh, that much more powerful for me that, that he's at a point where, uh, he, he can't go anywhere. It'll just lead to death. Pigs eat better than he does. And, um, uh, going back to the, the Balthazar quote that, that we heard that um, well, there is another option. Hmm. And it, it might be painful, it might be full of shame. it might it might uh, hurt. Um, but th- this this is better than nothing. And, and uh, what courage um, And for her to talk so clearly on call stories, I think, is a generate is is a story that this next generation of churchgoers, I think, really need to hear because um, we're trying to preach every Sunday and um, about a God who calls each and every one of us, and yet when I when I think of all the comfort that I live from. Um, uh, and, and so much privilege, so much comfort in my life. Um, uh, it's so easy to not feel called to anything. And, and, and maybe even go as far to say that d- does call even exist? Uh, because, because I could either take this road or I could take this road and they'll both be okay. A- and, um, uh, cause, cause often, uh, so, so often I'm not faced with those dark questions, um, but but uh, she really brought to the forefront that call does exist and uh, and exists from a God that is calling us to be our whole self. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I think about too in the story that the the party aspect of, of of things, you know, how it really it the culmination of the story is getting to the party. Right. And and what an amazing thing that is, you know, to to because I, I think if there's one thing that we that folks can be critical of, of religious people, Christians in particular, is that sometimes we're just so serious about our faith and 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 we never get to the party aspect of things. We find ourselves. And of course, there's the dialogue that you'll hear from people about uh, the struggle that they have of, oh, I, I really sympathize with the other brother because, yeah, he has kind of followed along in this way and this and that. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like, how do we get to the party, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the invitation, right? Life is, and 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 the fullness of life, I think, leads us to a place where we can move to celebration. Because my gosh, there's far too much in this life that draws us away from that that world. So how do we not reject getting to that party? And so much of our sort of looking at this is kind of trying to rationalize, like, yeah, maybe I'm hesitant to, to you know get on the dance floor as well and celebrate life and and uh, and just. Honor and dance with with everyone, um, and and it's I like what the the lectionary um, authors have done here in terms of you know last week what's the story from the gospel It's the story of the the fig tree. We get that parable of the fig tree, which then leads into this story, and that story is a story about. Um, Seeing this barren fig tree, no fruit, and, and and you hear the gardener say, wait, just give me one more year. I'm going to just, you know, tend to the soil around there, put some fertilizer in there, and, 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 and you know, there's going to be new life. And I think what that leads to is this week where all of a sudden we get a party because it's almost as if, like, you know, it's a resurrection story, right? Where suddenly that which we thought was dead has come to life. And, uh, and, and which ultimately the only way to respond to that is just party, throw so mm-hmm. a party and, and just a lavish, amazing party. I, I love that, that connection point there because really that's, that's what it's all about. Hey, what's, what are we, what is it that, that keeps us from stepping out onto the dance floor and what is the dance floor? I guess is is the other question that we might ask ourselves too.
1: Mm-hmm. That we recently in my congregations uh, serving a two point charge, um, we, we've hired a, a Sunday school teacher who, who formerly worked, worked for the L'Arche community. And, and she said in her work at the L'Arche community, uh, this is a, a lovely woman by the name of Judy McCall, um, McCauley. And, and she said at, at the L'Arche community, they used to always quote Jean Vanier, who would say, um, when you don't know what to do throw a party and uh and 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 so that seemed to be just as you're saying so poignant to to mention last week and and then this week uh that that party is so eager to be thrown by the father and and uh just as you say you know our instinct is to be so serious and and the younger son is so wanting to say, I'm sorry, I did this, I did that, and I'm so sorry, and, and beat himself up, and, and spend a good long time doing that. And the father is already on to the party planning. He, he saw him from, from miles away, and, and from a distance, rather, than, and, uh, you know, he, in an instant, all that had been forgiven. And, uh, you know, Jennifer's saying that, too, that, that she, she had to take this journey, because she had to, regardless her courage dictated that. Um, um, but then she said to be invited to, to speak on it was her party. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, uh, what, what were her words? To, to be invited um, and then be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that's what a party meant for her in many ways. Um, you know, so often in our lives, we, we say, I have to do something to earn a party. Uh, and that's not what we're hearing here um it's it's who you are Mm. that that dictates the party the the older son saying um i've been trying to earn my party and i've never earned it and and the harder he works the he's still never a party um and and we're being we're being asked to be kind of countercultural here it's not about earning the party it's um
0: yeah, it's about just stepping onto the dance floor and uh and that's really what it comes down to. I think what what is it that we can do in order to just, you know, reflect that radical love that to everybody that we encounter, no matter what their story is, no matter what, you know, road they've been down, that how can we, through our actions and, and, and through our living, you know, throw open those doors, throw open our arms as wide as, as, as can be and, and welcome people to the party because that's, you know, ultimately what it, what it really comes down to here. And while we do that, I recognize that there's a, there's a dog outside the door, uh, who's, who's trying to get into the party, uh, here uh, the great irony of that, uh, uh, my little dog, Elsie, who's, uh, who's trying to bust down the door and, uh, and get in here is, is quite, um, yeah <laughs> wanting to get into that, but I think this is really what what I take away from this is just the what it means to to a have have courage to walk that road uh, and we all um, have our own road to walk uh, and and what allows us to to speak in such a way that gives permission to everyone to say you know I want to I, I just want to be at the party with you. I want to welcome you and, 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 and how might we celebrate that that wonderful mosaic of, of creation that that God has has given us, celebrate that not only uh, within uh, others but within ourself as well, right? How might I live fully into, to the wholeness of, of who I am and how might I allow others to live into the fullness of, of who they are as well? Really what that what life comes down to is is, is, is just that
1: it's so much a part of so many people's story that to become your whole self, you go away. Uh, you, um, you go experience, uh, proving yourself somewhere else and then, and then come back. Um, Jennifer's story is really allowing me to see, um, what, what part two of the prodigal son story is about that, that, um, that son goes away, comes back, is received. And then the, the party's about to be thrown, but what does life look like now that you're a whole self person? Uh, h- how are you no longer um, a daughter or a son but uh, an equal with the parent? Um, and, um, and I'm really, um, I'm, I'm so excited for how Jennifer has finished this story for me, that um, you know what does it look like to be uh, equal with the mother, the father? So, uh, a good friend of mine has this wonderful relationship with her parents. She'll she'll often throw parties, and and we'll go to her parties, and her parents are always there partying with us. And and I know a lot of people have uh, have this kind of dynamic, and and. Um, my parents live a little far away. We, we don't necessarily party together all the time. Um, and and w- one day we were just hanging out. And I remember saying, you know, I really love how, how your parents just party with us. And they're just one of the gang. And, and, and I said, how, how did it get to that point with you? And, and I remember her saying to me, you know, one day they just asked me if I wanted to, to drive out west with them. It was a four-day drive, 10 hours every day in the car. And, and she said, after that, we were just buds. <laughs> and and to become equal with the parent um to to not just know that you're loved by them but but now to to become a whole person with them
0: and that's really what it's about because of the fullness of of what it means to be a parent what it means to be in relationship with others is is about you know that we're only um you know, that way when the other is, is with us in our presence and we're able to fully be ourselves. What a, what a gift that is, whatever, uh, wherever you are, uh, however, uh, this, uh, this podcast finds you, we hope that, uh, that, that it will, uh, challenge you uh, to have the courage to move more fully into, uh, uh to what it means to be wholly yourself and, and, uh, and to get onto the dance floor and, and celebrate life and, uh, and celebrate the party. Uh, and that journey of life that brings us to that point. Uh, No matter where we are in the story, let this be a blessing to us, this story.